With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. Okay, 
So within, are you, within so the are next you telling me years. that the postal workers are not federal employees? No, they are not federal employees. They are not. I always thought they were. No, what I know. No, they are not. And it is a private, it is a, a, a quasi-government kind of thing because it services the, 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 the world. It services our, our, our country. But it's not, yes, but it's not paid for by any of our taxes. Why it is governed by, why it is monitored by the Congress is, is a joke because no other country comp, uh, company is, okay? And that's what... Well, I don't understand exactly what they are. Does it tell us in any of those articles exactly what they are? Well, I should have looked that up for you, but you know what they are is they're, they're, they're a privately owned company, okay? And, uh, but they, they don't operate on tax, on any, any American taxes, right? Uh, now, this is uh, incredible because I wanted to bring this up because what, what it is is that in Atlanta, okay, the uh, Associated Postal Workers Union, mm-hmm. okay, members are, are protesting to stop staples because what's happening is the is there the U.S. Postal Service is putting is is allowing staples to become a quasi satellite postal office, okay? The staples company. Yeah, but not using postal postal employees. Okay? Oh, yeah. So it's it's really a problem, and let, let me run this because this is, a, this is a video on this. More than 75 uh, um, work uh, postal workers uh, members uh, held a spirited protest on March 4th, challenging a no bid deal between the company and the U.S. Postal Service that staffs postal counties and counters and staple stores with non-postal people. Okay, so the postal union is 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 is. Um, Protesting. Protesting. This morning, postal workers are preparing to protest. Members of the Postal Workers Union and community activists planned a rally outside a Staples store on Peachtree Road. You'll find them outside Staples and the 3500 block of Peachtree Street during the lunch hour. Atlanta will serve as a test market for plans to move postal services into Staples stores. Postal workers and community activists are planning to picket an Atlanta Staples store. They are protesting there because of a plan to move postal services into staple stores, and that could lead to the closure of some post offices. The Postal Service plans to staff the postal counters with low-wage staples employees. People of this community should realize that we're here to stop the sale of the mail. The U.S. mail is not for sale. So today we're in front of a Staples store, and uh, we're here uh, mainly because of a deal the post office and the Staples have uh, come together with where they're putting post offices inside the Staples. We are in protest of that due to the fact that uh, the post offices uh, that they have in there are not staffed with postal employees, and, uh, you know, by not being staffed with postal employees, it loses the sanctity of the mail. Staple postal employees do not take an oath for your mail. We have to. We're looking for a postal experience. You know, you want postal experience people dealing with postal products. Uh, if we don't have that, then they're not getting what the customers deserve and what they need dealing with postal products. The post offices are disappearing. They're closing them. They're merging them. And the American people want their, their post office. We are not trying to shut down staple stores. We welcome the growth of the United States Postal Service. Any 
working body. Any union would welcome the expansion of its company. We're just simply saying, don't have a full-blown post office miles the postal employees. The, the post office belongs to the American people, and we, it's not for sale. You know, we want the, the mail to be delivered. We want to be delivered with trained individuals and, and not just anybody. You know, you start with staples. Next thing you know is Walmart. Is you know, in the other stores, staples can close. And with those stores closing, what happens to the post office staples follows that trend? Atlanta was one of the test markets uh, for this project for the postal service of staples. So this is, is all over because this is going on with all the staples stores. The security of the mail must prevail. The post office is part of the Constitution. Post workers get the job done, and we get the job done most efficient way possible. <laughs> That's the one I wanted to add. This one here? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to play that one. I, I'd like to hear that one because it'll because, probably uh, be more informative. It's a little longer, but it's very important. <laughs> Tonight, thanks to Republicans in Congress, the United States Postal Service is in danger of collapse. How nice of them. The Republican philosophy is privatization. We know that. And they are destroying the Postal Service to get their way. The Post Office reported a $15.9 billion loss through their fiscal year ending September 30th, 2012. It's important to keep in mind the Post Office is losing money because of a 2006 law passed in a lame duck session of the Congress by the Republicans. The law requires the post office to pre-fund employees' retirement accounts for the next 75 years in a 10-year window. I wonder if Mitt Romney would say that's a good business plan. These overpayments make up $11 billion of this year's net loss. Now, the other $5 billion is in decline, is, is because of the decline in mailing that's taken place in operation, but it would have been manageable. Both of these problems can easily be fixed. In April, the Senate passed a bill allowing the Postal Service to regain $11 billion in overpayments to its retirement account. The bill, of course, went nowhere. Speaker John Boehner in the House, he didn't want anything to do with it. Meanwhile, the revenue problem can be solved by modernizing the Postal Service. The great Bernie Sanders says, here's what we can do about it. Here's the plan. Clearly, the Postal Service has to change. It has to be much more entrepreneurial much more pro-business, much more pro-consumer. In our state of Vermont, we have many rural post offices. People want to go there to get uh, letters copied. Can't do that. They want to get letters notarized against the law. They want a fishing license. They want a hunting license against the law. There are many areas where the Postal Service can expand, bring in substantially more revenue. And this is breaking news. No tax dollars go to the operation of the Postal Service. That's right, zero dollars. These solutions are simple, but Republicans are against helping the post office because they want to see it eliminated, bust the union, privatize it, make a dollar on the side for their buddies. The longer nothing is done, more jobs are lost and the economy suffers. Currently, the Postal Service has plans to close 260 post offices around the country. So that's what's happening to the one in your town. This means that an additional 35,000 postal jobs are at risk if nothing is done by this session, lame duck session of the Congress. Republicans in action on this issue is absolutely shameless. They've had all year to come to the table to work with the Democrats, but of course they haven't done it. They are hell-bent 
on seeing the U.S. Postal Service die, even if it means destroying a great American institution in the process. They don't care. They want it privatized. It's wrong. Let's turn to Greg Bell, Vice President of the American Postal Workers Union. Mr. Bell, good to have you with us tonight. What is the number one thing that can be done right now to save the Postal Service as we know it? Well, the number one thing that, that must be done is to eliminate the the unrealistic mandate that the Postal Service currently had to pre-fund uh, retire, retiree, future retiree uh, health care benefits for a 75-year period within, within a 10-year period. That's the number one. Uh, that's the main cause of the Postal Service uh, problems. Matter of fact, that is the cause. Uh, if you remove that liability, uh, Postal Service, as you stated, would be uh, able to uh, assume the responsibility without any type of uh, assistance or any, any type of additional funds. And I want to uh, emphasize here that this is going to financially butcher small business in America, in rural America. What are they going to do? Their shipping uh, costs are going to go through the roof. Their line item is going to go off the page because all of the privatization is not going to be able to cover and service rural America, which the post office does right now for many of these companies. Mr. Bell, it's good to have you with us tonight. It's a story that I want to tell over and over again. I want this lame duck session of the Congress to do something about this. It is unfair. Mitt Romney would never run any of his businesses like that. That's what you Republicans need to know. That's the Ed Show. I'm Ed Schultz on this Friday night. The Rachel Maddow Show starts right now. You know, I agree with him fully, and the only but the only thing I, I disagree with him on is that Mitt Romney would never run a company like that. Mitt Romney was his company, his uh, Bain Capital, were the major financiers for Staples. Okay, mm. and it wouldn't surprise me that Mitt Romney and and Bain Capital had some kind of uh, manipulation. With the with uh, Obama or whatever the administration was or Congress or something, to be able to get the post office to satellite an office in in in, uh, in, in Staples, hmm. they got to say Staples somehow because Staples is going under, right? They're closing 500 stores for crying out loud, hmm. right? And they're going to still close more. I mean, they're the Radio Shack of office supplies. You know what I mean? Well, like, I, th- I uh, think they have too many. Um, they got too many stores, and you can buy everything online. So why the hell do you need? You know what I mean? You don't really you need, don't need a brick and you don't, mortar. You don't need these brick and mortar stores anymore, which is a shame. Right? Oh, we get um, Larry is with us. Hang on one second. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We'll tell him we were just talking about the post office. Hello, Larry. Are you with us? I am. Good to be with you. We were just talking about the U.S. Post Office. Yeah, we're trying to save the post offices here, the postal union. I love the post office. So are we. Yeah, we do too. Uh, man, it's, uh, they just did you did you we were we were just uh, playing a video uh, piece, uh, an audio piece about the uh, 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 the postal worker union striking in front of uh, uh, striking but protesting in front of Staples in uh, Atlanta. What they're doing is a a satellite office. They're they're putting a post office. They put a post office without postal employees. Using low-paid staple employees. Yes. 
you know. I saw and that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear your audio, but I've been. I saw that story. Yeah, yeah. pretty bad. That's very upsetting. Yeah. Well, you know, this is how the uh, bad guys are trying to chip away at the middle class. Oh yeah. It's it's really it's just a bad trend. Just a very and Staples yeah. is closing a lot of stores anyway. They're closing three or four hundred stores. All right, already. Yeah. Uh, the Radio Shack of uh, office supplies, you know? God. Right. Right. Radio Shack closed like two or three thousand stores around the country already. But, uh, so many of those stores you can buy so much of so many of their products online, you know, especially uh, office supply store. And you know, we we played another video, uh, a little audio piece on like Ed Schultz. Uh, you know, he was saying that. Mitt Romney would, uh, it's about the, the Postal Service and so on, but he said Mitt Romney would never use this business plan, all right? But no. Mitt Romney would use this business plan because Mitt Romney's Bain Capital where there was the group that funded and started, gave this startup money to Staples, you know? It wouldn't surprise yeah, me that Mitt somehow had a hand in this thing, you know? Well, sure, and if you ever listen to the Staples CEO, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, anti-Obama, anti-middle class, anti-union. Uh, you know, the guy is a conservative uh, who came out for Romney. So, you know, they, they, they all pat each other's back and give each other money. Oh, they sure do. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just downright sick, you know. So you've been on the road today, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually leaving uh, Scenic Shelton. Connecticut. Uh, we just, uh, our paraprofessionals just uh, spoke in front of the uh, Board of Education. We've been, uh, uh, you know, another sign of the times. We reached a tentative agreement for 44 really hardworking, dedicated uh, paraeducators, and the Shelf uh, Board of Education is a high priced attorney who uh, decided to ignore the tentative agreement that we never signed anything, even though we have the signature. So uh, we are there to kind of shame the Board of Education and tell them they need to uh, ratify the contract, just like our workers did. So how did, how did things go? Well, you know, they, the Board of Education was stone They had members that stone-faced. I think they were a little bit embarrassed. Um, but... We'll see what happens. We have to file a legal complaint, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But, you know, I was uh, talking with the uh, our paraeducators. You know, we in the school systems, you teach the kids to honor your word, you know, to, to be a person of your word, uh, to honor the process. And, you know, employers routinely dishonor the process and dishonor the law. And, you know, I Sometimes that example becomes more glib in an educational setting than, you know, in, a, in another workplace setting. So yeah. you can play to that a lot. Has the media picked this up at all? Yeah. Another, yeah. You know, post, yeah. Larry, Larry, if you can speak a little closer into the phone, maybe. You're not, are you on the, are you on the, <laughs> are you driving? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to try to pull over so you'll hear me better. Oh, okay. I don't want to get you picked up there. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got a little better. 
Oh, yeah, that's a lot better. Yeah, my question was, um, has the media, uh, the Connecticut media responded yeah. to this at all? No, not really. We put out press releases. I called reporters, but uh, uh, the New Haven Register, you know, the corporate chain doesn't cover uh, Shelton. Uh, Connecticut Post hasn't done anything with it. It's uh, the online paper may cover it, but uh, so we've got it on our Facebook. I'll get it on our website, and we'll just push it out the best way we can. Yeah, that, that's that's really a shame yeah. that it's not yeah. being covered by the by the Connecticut media because it's an important thing, very important. I mean, people have to oh. realize what's happening to our employees. Yeah. It's, well, it's, don't you think it's all kind of related, though? You can't get the press to cover this stuff. Uh, you know, the corporate chains, all the papers. It's really hard to get your word out. I mean, that's why you're doing your show. Thanks, that's, that's They are exactly right. No, no one seems to have a voice unless you're speaking corporate speak. And they sure right. have plenty of voice. They're on all the stations. Oh, they own them all. I can't imagine how frustrating it must be for someone like you who's who's trying desperately to get the word out. Yeah, you know what surprises me? You know, you know what troubles me really is it, like even groups like NPR, all right, they're totally sewn up yep. by Pew uh, Foundation and Koch Brothers. Okay, the Pew Foundation is totally anti-union. And so is the uh, and and so is the uh, 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 the Coke Foundation, of yeah. course, Coke, the Coke Brothers. And Pew Charitable uh, Trust. And, that, and that's what we're dealing with right now. I mean, it's absolutely right. staggering. I mean, they have got the entire media sewed up, you know. To, to no, they might they might like block the whole thing. I mean, it's it's really scary. It's. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's you know we're we're bordering on the thought control age. Yeah, we're bordering on the what? Bordering on what? We're bordering on the uh, thought control age, where uh, you know the bad guys own the media, and uh, the, the message is not getting out there. No, it's not. And and I mean, we're we're trying. I mean, everybody is trying to do something, but it's like, uh, you know, but again. You know, here we go. You know, it, like the biggest online programs, believe it or not, in the uh, in the country, they're not they're not uh, NPR, they're not uh, news related, uh, or they are guys like Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, okay. But believe it or not, the biggest online programs are either sports related. Or they are uh, 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 daytime soap related. Imagine that. Yeah, people want uh, people want a daytime soap operas. Uh, you know, daytime uh, uh, entertainment, whatever it is, and sports. Those are the biggest, uh, uh, the highest rated programs, not only on 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 Nielsen television ratings, but also on uh, on online uh, uh, networks. Is that amazing or not? It's the I, you know, it, it is, but I'm also not surprised. I, you know, it's bread and circuses, right? Give the people what they want. But nobody wants to hear anything that that of any, you know, of substance. We have we have loyal listeners who've been with us for years, and and that's wonderful, and they and they and they really support our show. But you know, it's like it's just amazing to me how 
You know, people just try to be so, uh, they ignore news, you know. And then when you bring them the news, you know, they get mad about it because they say, that's right. not, you know, like like yeah. what the stuff that's on uh, AFL-CIO blog. Amazing information, great information. It is. I noticed that, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, great, great writing, good information. But, geez, you know, uh, yeah, I'll bet you, you don't get more than a, a, a few thousand, uh, uh, I bet they don't get a more than a few thousand visitors, you know, a day to it. No. You know what I mean? It, and that's part of the problem, you know. People's attention spans are, um, I guess, I, I guess they're limited. But I also think that, uh, you know, there's been a retreat to having, you know, fair coverage in the news. And um, like you say, it's the Koch brothers, it's the Pew Foundation, you know, with the Walton family who also funds uh, public uh, radio and TV. You know, so you know, fundamentally anti-worker, anti-middle class organizations are really. Um, gaining control of these outlets and um, preventing the messages from getting out, too. Oh, yeah, and if you listen to any broadcast on NPR, I mean, forget about it. There, there, are, there are no national uh, union or, or national labor issues brought up no. or, or any kind of thing that, that would be controversial nationally. It's all international stuff or it's all, you know, globalist, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, international news or you don't or, you, you know, don't you news. don't have anything that directly affects no. the lives of ordinary people. No, and, um, it's, and it's like it's it's uh, a total blitz, you know. And you might hear more about you know what's that, happening that, in Crimea than you yeah, do what's exa- happening here. Exactly, you know. And and David, uh, the debate is the debate is narrowed to you know these these argumentative sound bites that aren't have no bearing on reality. Right. I, I like That's the right. fact, though, I just wanted to jump ahead a little bit, um, yeah. that Richard Trumka tried to get uh, Jim DeMint, who's the president of the Heritage Foundation, to debate him. And he refused on the minimum wage, on uh, raising right. the minimum wage. I think it was great that he reached out, but the guy wouldn't accept the challenge. I do, too. I do, yeah, too. You know, you know, know. Know, I'm, 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 these guys are so afraid. Uh, on the right, they're so afraid to have a real debate. In in some ways, you don't blame them because they own Fox News, they own all the outlets, so uh, they're emboldened and they're afraid to actually have a real kind of small D democratic debate. Oh yeah, but they know that they can't stand up to someone to someone on the other side because their news is manipulated news. Their stand isn't a manipulated Correct. stand, and they can't stand up to facts. Well, it's like, it's right. like uh, if you ever listen to Rush Limbaugh, Limbaugh, Limbaugh is hysterical because he, he's, they screen all the calls coming in and he refuses to talk to a liberal, okay, or anybody with any who even questions him, okay, Right. his, his dogma, you know. And, and, and that's what these guys are doing, Dement and all these other uh, <coughs> uh, think tanks. The Heritage Foundation, you know, is a, is a great thing. Yeah. But it's like, to me, the what what's happening is is the boy. It's it's so astounding. It's so amazing that to see the restriction. Not only that, that what they've done uh, since I believe since October, and they warned that this would happen, but they started to bottleneck the internet. All right, and they started to restrict the internet. All right, uh, NSA and uh, you know the United States and all the servers and so on. They've all yep. 
to restrict the Internet. So, uh, and, and they passed this bill in October of last year. Uh, I forget the, the, the name of it, but it's uh, censoring the Internet bill, you know. And believe it or not, it was signed by Lieberman and uh, sponsored by Lieberman and Al Franken and uh, all, all the people that were in back then, you know. And all yeah. the liberal senators uh, wanted to, in fact, Lieberman, yeah, Lieberman told, said that he wanted an Internet law, he wanted the Internet to be like China's, all right? Oh yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that was that was that, that was about ten years ago. No, said. it was just a few years ago. He was Maybe in, five. He's yeah. been out. Of, he's only been out of office since last year. Well, it was when he was in office that he said yeah, that was, he had it, gone on a trip to China and he came back waxing only, waxing poetic about the fact of China. That, uh, about China and our our country should be more like them. I was horrified. I know. It was God forbid. So mad. And that's scary, but that's the way a lot of these uh, politicians and certainly the uh, corporate community think. You know, they want mm-hmm. it to be the But you know, but you know the, frightening thing, the frightening thing is, is it wasn't, I, 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 uh, I uh, what I did is I listed, I posted all of the senators on my own website. I posted all the senators that voted for the, the, the uh, Internet restriction censorship bill. Believe it or not, three-quarters of them were liberal senators. Well, and that's the problem is that they get, you know, they get swayed too, and they get pressured, and especially on issues like this that the public doesn't read about too often. It's not well covered. Um, you know, so uh, my theory too is that, um, you know, it's it's not just the trade bills. It's it's always like these telecommunication bills. Um, this is the legislation where a lot of bad stuff happens, and people just aren't paying that much attention. So um, the consequences end up being really grave in terms of, you know, monopolies being fomented and consumers being hurt. Uh, it's, it's really bad stuff. And unfortunately, you're right, a lot of uh, progressive-minded elected officials get uh, either out of ignorance or, or whatever, just don't, uh, or they don't care. They, they vote wrong, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember back in uh, 2000, I think it was 2007, they voted in the uh, uh, the Mind the Thought Control Act, okay? I mean, it was, they, they actually have an act now that is, uh, they actually have a bill and they passed it, and, and uh, I think Bush, yeah, Bush signed it into law that they could, uh, that they could control, that they could uh, arrest you based on your thoughts, all right? If it, you know, whatever you put out there, all right, whatever you uh, put out on the Internet or radio or talk about or whatever, it, it was a, uh, it was a, it actually passed. And it, it totally floored me. In fact, I, uh, you have a copy of my book. I, I think, uh, I think I, I put it in there, uh, a, cha- uh, 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 a copy of that. But the, the amazing thing is uh, that they still, uh, I mean, all the things we're seeing now, all the things that are happening now are, is just a more and more and more restrictions. And a, a recent interview uh, but with uh, Edward Snowden. Did you happen to see that, Larry? Yeah. He no, that, I read a transcript, though. I, you know, I read news stories yeah, he about said it. More, the worst, worst is yet to come. No doubt about it. Yeah, the no worst is yet it. to come. He didn't even, he didn't even, uh, you know. He didn't even release the worst yet, I the guess. The worst yet, you know. I yeah. thought, oh my! What could be worse than what we already, what he's already told us? Imagine that. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, it's in the, all this stuff is in the dark of night. It is done by stealth, and uh, I, I, I don't doubt that we haven't seen the worst, actually. Uh, it's, really, oh, it's really frightening, really frightening. But, you know, I I wanted to ask you, uh, what do you think about this, uh, about the, about the uh, minimum wage thing? I mean, I mean, for I, I'm, a, I'm in total support of it, but for it to go yep. to 2017 to reach ten dollars, I'd like I mean, to see it be I mean, ten dollars next year. Yeah, I mean, why, it should be now. You know, that ten dollars. Oh, I agree. Look, I, uh, I'm, you know, my, my school of thought is this. Uh, obviously, like you, I agree there should be a minimum wage increase. That's obvious. Yeah. Uh, my problem with it is it actually ought to be more like it, uh, an ideal minimum wage, first of all, should be at least half the average uh, manufacturing wage. So we're talking a real true minimum wage ought to be, you know, $15, $17 an hour minimum. It ought to be indexed. I agree with you totally. And it ought to be indexed to the cost of living. You know, the corporate CEOs, all the big wigs, everybody else gets their cost of living increases, but these poor workers at the bottom, and they're working full time. These aren't, you know, college kids anymore. These are college graduates who can't find work in the economy. So um, you need to have a probably double what it is index it to the cost of living and couple it with uh, laws to make it easier to organize unions and then and, and take away the unfair advantage that the businesses have when it comes to trying to bust union drives. You know, we've got to have an honest adult discussion about why things are so bad in this country. And one of the reasons they're so bad is people can't form unions. And people so, yeah, are so bad is that people have no money to spend. I mean, right, basically what they're doing is they're killing the goose that laid the golden egg. I mean, in order for a country to boom, people have to have money to spend. You got it. But they don't seem to get that. You know, another another horrible thing, I I wish I I, I looked into this too, because, I mean, mean, not that part of it, but, you know, what's happening to the homeless people in this country? Yeah. They're being swept away. They're being picked up off the streets, and they're being put into FEMA camps for crying out loud. They're putting, right. they're, they're taking them away. They don't have shelters for them and whatnot. However, they they built these this incredible network of of FEMA camps, okay, where they're actually they're doing that. They're not instead of, you know, you know, it's amazing. The United States has over two million incarcerated people. All right, with the largest prison industrial complex in the in the world, all right? And yet and every we people make more money for this government and for corporations incarcerated than they do right, right uh, you know out, you know working working as free individuals. Okay? The incentive to incarcerate people in this country is, is greater than the incentive to have them go free and work, you know and be in a and be paid, yeah, and paid a normal wage. You know, is that is that incredible or no? Look, you know, the uh, there's a, a grim joke that, you know, uh, from the uh, civil rights uh, movement that, you know, even slaves had jobs. Um, right. You know, when we yeah. talk, it all goes, you know, we keep talking about it, but it has to be said, you know, the Pew Foundation, the Koch brothers, the Walton family, uh, if they could get people to work for free as indentured servants, they would. Uh, there is no greed that's not enough for these guys, and that's what's happening to this country and why it's going downhill so fast. Like Lila said, they're killing the middle class. 
you know, got you know got hold of him. The guy jumped down to the balcony, and the guy got him and pulled him out of the ladder. And then, and the minute he wow. pulled him on, on the long ladder, the, the damn the whole the entire building just fell, you know, on top of. Where they missed him by like about inches, you know. Um, How dramatic is that? It was, it was unbelievable that? save, yeah. But uh, that is well, unbelievable. they do such wonderful work. I mean, you have <laughs> yeah, to be yeah, so brave to do line. that. Holy cow! Yeah. And we thank them with layoffs and cutting their pensions and privatization uh, yeah. and you know all the bad stuff. That's uh, we're in a we're in a bad place, no doubt about it. Dangerous place, I should say. No different than how we treat the vets, you know, the veterans. For God's sake, it's horrible. You know. I I was never a pro-war person, but I am right. a pro take care of people. When they well, when back. they when they come home, and you take just, care of them when they're there. I mean, you know the amazing thing. Over 900,000 veterans, all right, not veterans, uh, uh, military people are on food stamps. Right, unacceptable, right? Isn't, isn't uh, that ridiculous? They, I mean, I they mean, get recruited to fight and then they uh, are, are collecting like, food stamps. Yeah. They're not paid no, enough. Look at they, they don't get uh, good medical care, uh, they don't get treatment for post traumatic stress. Um, oh, they're terrible. totally ignored. And, you know, the, one of the terrible ironies, of course, of uh, that war criminal Bush was the uh, fact that uh, we got into these messes out in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, and we've done very little. Uh, Walter Reed Hospital was a mess. You know, we've, we've done very little to help the guys, men and women, returning uh, from those conflicts. And they can't think of a greater insult. What the hell is Obama now? You know, where, where's Obama yeah, been? You know? You're right. He, I, he hasn't done crap for the vets, as far as we can tell, except his wife's walking around saying, oh, we love the vets. But, you know, both I mean, Walter are, Reed both, is, is just yeah. as in bad shape as ever. Both. And then Newington, uh, they, they just found Newington uh, VA to be to be uh, full of problems. Okay? Yeah, right. I, I hope they... All the politicians yeah. yeah. You know, they love to pound the drums for uh, war and conflict, but then they don't want to uh, take care of these men and women when they get home. Uh, and, you know, that's, that, that, that's criminal. Oh, I think so, too. I think it's horrible. But, you know, Larry, we, you know, we we, we got we to gotta thank you again because, yeah, you know, we appreciate everything you guys do. Oh, thank you. It, uh, it's always great to talk with you, and I'm glad you had me on. And uh, we'll have a lot to talk about next month. I hope so because uh, and I, I, you know, I, I know you're on the road there and you stopped, so get home and get home Get safely. home safely. Thank you. Great to talk All right. to you guys. Okay. Yeah, nice Be to well. talk to you, Larry. Good night. Good night, Larry. Thanks. That was Larry Dorman, uh, Public Affairs Coordinator for AFSCME Council 4 out of New Britain, Connecticut. He's always on the road. He's always fighting for his, and his union is always fighting for the middle class, trying to get hey, better wages. Also go, to, go to his website, uh, council4.org, and uh, Larry puts that up every uh, every month and, you know, keeps, keeps it going. And you can, you can read about what's happening in the union. But you must remember, folks, that when union people are paid well, you're paid well, too, if you're not in the union. That's right. Because That's right. everybody benefits from... Union workers and union representation. You always got these people that think they can kiss ass their way up the line. You know, well, you know, the only way they get there is because you got a whole bunch of union people that are that are stuck to it and, and have, you know have, have fought and protested. Every 
every contract. Every, every contract. And all of a sudden you get these, you know, these, these other clowns, you know, who, who come in and say, oh, you don't need to do you know, I got the money, uh, you know. No, and, they'd uh, find pretty fast if he's sinking down they, the they, ladder. And they find the minute they, uh, they uh, stub their toe, they're out the door because they're not union, all right? So, you know, get on with it. And, uh, you know, support your unions, for crying out loud. Support them. Support the post office. And support the post office. Yeah, absolutely. The, the U.S. post office is, uh, you know, incredibly important. And, and they're getting uh, such a bad rap. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's wrong. It's just wrong. And uh, I wanted to... Uh, I mean, we have a, in our small town, we have a great post office. It's always been wonderful. Yeah, I get guys that are, you know... Been uh, there a long time. Yeah, they yeah. know who you are. I mean, they, they, they bend over they're backwards friendly. and their stuff out. I mean, they do. These guys, these guys work hard. And uh, you know, when you're in a small town, like I said, you know everybody, and everybody knows you, and you know everybody's business when you're a postal service. <laughs> they know oh, yeah. You see all their mail coming in and out. But it's like, you know, there, there's a, and they do take an oath. You know, they take an oath of office. You know, to be a postal worker. Well, that's, uh, and, they should, uh, and, and I think they should be allowed to expand, as that guy said, uh, Bernie Sanders. You know, they should be selling like hunting licenses. Oh, no, they should be given they licenses should, they, to do that. They stuff. should be doing they, they all. Do so they could yeah. do all those things, and I think it would be very successful. And it should be it should be a quasi-governmental uh, mm-hmm. uh, thing, and we should subsidize the government, the postal workers. You know. But if they don't need it, why why are we making it so miserable for them to to, to exist? All right. Because somebody and, else and wants it. it that's yeah, why. exactly. You know, they wanted corporate hands. They wanted the you know FedEx and UPS and everybody else wants it. All right. And instead, you know, it, it, they're just driving it into the ground. And let, let let's stop this. You know, let's stop this madness and help the postal service and help unions. Um, This was probably one of the most stupid things I ever heard anybody say. What's this? Harry Reid. I mean, you know... Isn't it time for him to retire? Yeah, the guy's, the guy's got to go, man. He, he just, he just, you know. Harry Reid says, Obamacare is delayed because people are not educated about how to use the Internet. Well, how about the site that's lousy? He's not blaming the site that's lousy. He's not blaming... Blame. He's blaming the people. And he's not blaming the fact that nobody in their right mind wants to get into Obamacare. And the only people that are going into Obamacare are the people that are afraid they're going to be fined or imprisoned or some other god-awful thing if they don't take it, you know. So I'm just going to – I want to go to this. It's difficult getting it up here. Okay. On Wednesday – on Wednesday, Obama administration officials announced the two-week extension and the deadline to enroll – the Affordable Care Act, or face a penalty defined as a tax. Asked about this delay in the implementation of ACA on Wednesday, Senator Harry Reid said that there has been no delay. He uh, added that some of the users who experienced problems with the website early on need more time, partially because people are not educated about how to use the Internet. How about that the, the website didn't work? He says there's no hiccup or delay, Reid insisted. We had hundreds of thousands of people who tried to sign up and didn't get through. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay. There's no hiccup. Yeah, and then he says, uh, we had hundreds of thousands of people who tried to sign up and didn't get through. Related, there, there are some people who are 
are not like my grandchildren who can handle everything so easily on the Internet. We can read and continue. And these people need a little extra time. He added that many people, like a 63-year-old woman who was recently profiled on radio, public radio, was not educated on how to interact with online tools. All right? But, you know, the, the insanity of that is, all right, I don't think he knows anything about the I don't internet. think he knows how to use the internet. That's okay. Like, and that's probably like what it is. Me. He's got staff members and everybody else who does. He doing it, it for him. He probably doesn't He's even have a, he probably doesn't even have a probably can't even type, you know. Uh, we're just play this little piece here. Harry B. But there's no hiccup or delay. We have we have hundreds of thousands of people who tried to sign up and they didn't get through. I, there was a wonderful piece on public radio a couple of days ago. Connecticut, they're doing extremely well with healthcare, and what they've done is set up a couple of stores that people can come in and get their healthcare. It's worked out very well. And listening to that piece reminds me of why we had to extend this time. There are some people who are not like my grandchildren who can handle everything so easily on the Internet. And these people need a little extra time. It's not uh, the example they gave us, a 63-year-old woman came in to the store and said, I almost got it. Every time I just about got there, it would cut me off. We have a lot of people just like this. No, it's through no fault of the Internet because people are not educated. No fault of the Internet. internet. So this is not... Uh, no fault of the internet. He said he got there and then they would cut him off, and that's exactly what was happening every time. Okay. Uh, the, the guy is really stupid. I don't think he knows anything. No, he's stupid. And, you know, you can tell, I mean, that's obvious. You can tell what he listens to, and PR. And he doesn't, he doesn't go on the internet because you know that you get cut off. Exactly. You know, This is, a, this is kind of an interesting thing that uh, came up. And I, I was, I, I, I've, I've said this before and I've said it again, but we learned many years ago that Gloria Steinem was a, uh, a CIA informant. Yeah, I was okay. shocked when I found that. And uh, we learned this a number of years ago through uh, working with, uh, or talking with the uh, interviewing uh, John McManus. Remember, we wrote yep. the book on William Buckley and so on. How the CIA used feminism to destabilize society. This is from Australia Matters. This is the, uh, dot com. This Henry Marco, Ph.D., yeah. written Henry. in 2002. Yeah. In the 1960s, the elite media invented second-wave feminism as a part of the elite agenda to dismantle the civilization and create a new world order. Since writing these words last week, I was discovered that before she became a feminist leader, Gloria Steinem worked on for the CIA, spying on Marxist students in Europe and disrupting their meetings. She became a media darling due to her CIA connections. Ms. Magazine, which she edited for many years, was indirectly funded by the CIA. Okay. Just like the Buckley's magazine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, National Review, funded by the CIA. He was a CIA agent. That's right. Steinem has tried to suppress this information unearthed in the 1970s by a radical feminist group called Red Stockings. In 1979, Steinem and her powerful CIA-connected friends, Catherine Graham of the Washington Post, and 
Ford Foundation President Franklin Thomas and uh, prevented Random House from publishing it in Feminist Revolution. Nevertheless, the story appeared in the Village Voice on May 21, 1979. Well, Steinem was always pretended that she had been a student radical. When I was in college, I was in the McCarthy area, era, she told Susan Mitchell in 1997. And that made me a Marxist. Um, her bio blurb in June 1973 Ms. Magazine states Gloria Steinem had been a freelance writer all of her professional life. Ms. Magazine is her first full-time salaried job. Not true. Raised in an impoverished, dysfunctional family in Toledo, Ohio, Steinem somehow managed to attend Elite Smith College, Betty Friedan's alma mater. After graduating in 1955, Steinem received a Chester Bowles Student Fellowship to study in India. Curiously, an internet search reveals that this fellowship has no existence apart from Gloria Steinman. No one else has received it. In 1958, Steinem was recruited by CIA's Cord Myers to direct an informal group of activists called the Independent Research Service. This was part of Myers' Congress for Cultural Freedom, which created magazines like Encounter and Partisan Review to promote a left liberal chic to oppose Marxism. Steinem attended communist-sponsored youth festivals in Europe, published a newspaper, reported on other participants, and helped to provoke riots. One of Steinem's CIA colleagues was Clay Felker. In the early 1960s, he became an editor at Esquire and published articles by Steinem, which established her as a leading voice for women's lives. In 1968, a publisher of New York Magazine, he hired her as contributing editor and then editor of Ms. Magazine in 1971. Warner Communication puts up almost all the money, as though it only took 25% of the stock. Ms. Magazine's first publisher was Elizabeth Forsling Harris, a CIA-connected PR executive who planned John Kennedy's Dallas Motor Cave. No wonder he was killed. Despite its anti-establishment image, Ms. Magazine attracted advertising from the cream of corporate America. It published ads for IPT at the same time as women political prisoners in Chile were being tortured by Pinochet after a coup inspired by the U.S. conglomerate and the CIA. Steinem's personal relationships also belie her anti-establishment pretensions. She had a nine-year relationship with Stanley Potlinger, a Nixon Ford assistant attorney general, credited with stalling FBI investigations into the assassinations of Martin Luther King and the ex-Chilean foreign minister, Orlando Lavier. In the 1980s, she dated Henry Kissinger. Ugh! For more details, see San Francisco researcher You're not going to tell Emory. me she's not right up the ass of the CIA? I oh, guess my not. God. Our, oh, our main misconception about the CIA is, is that it serves U.S. interests. In fact, it has always been the instrument of a dynastic international banking and oil elite, Washchild, Rockefeller, and Morgan, coordinated by the Royal Institute for International Affairs in London and the U.S. branch, the Council for Foreign Relations. It was established and peopled by blue bloods from the New York banking establishment and graduates of Yale University's secret pagan skull and bone society. 
Our current president, his father and grandfather fit this profile. That was it's in Bush. That's because it yeah, was written Bushes, in 202. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The agenda of this international cabal is to degrade the institutions and values of the United States in order to integrate it into a global state that it will direct through the United Nations. In its 1947 founding charter, the CIA is prohibited from engaging in domestic activities. However, this has never stopped it from waging a psychological war on the American people. The domestic counterpart of the Congress for Cultural Freedom was the American Committee for Cultural Freedom. Using foundations as conduits, the CIA controlled intellectual discourse in the 50s and 60s, and I believe continues to do so today. In Cultural Cold War, Francis Stoner Saunders estimates that a 1,000 books were produced under the imprint of a variety of commercial and university presses with covert subsidies. The CIA's Project Mockingbird involved a direct infiltration of the corporate media, a process that often included direct takeover of major news outlets. By the early 1950s, writes Deborah Davis in her book Catherine the Great, the CIA owned, respe owned respected members of the uh, New York Times, Newsweek, CBS, and other communication vehicles, plus stringers, four to 600 in all. In 1982, the CIA admitted that reporters on the CIA payroll were acted as case officers to agents in the field. Philip Graham, publisher of the Washington Post, who ran the operation until his suicide in 1963, boasted that you could get a journalist cheaper than a good call girl for a couple of hundred dollars a month. I was born in 1949. Idealists in my parents' generation were disillusioned when the communist dream of universal brotherhood turned out to be a shill for brutal despotism. My own generation may discover that our best instincts have also been manipulated and exploited. There is evidence that the 60s drug counterculture, the civil rights movement, and the anti-war movement, like feminism, were CIA-directed. For example, the CIA has admitted setting up the National Student Association as a front in 1947. In early 1950s, the NSA opposed the attempts of the House Un-American Activities Committee to root out communist spies. According to Phil A.G. Jr., NSA offices participated in the activities of the SNCC. I'm not sure what that is. The Militant Civil Rights Group. Oh, and, and, and uh, Students for a Democratic Society, a radical peace group. Amazing, yeah. Well, we had many members yeah, of that. They, they set that thing up, is that? Now, they, what? Uh, those two priests were involved. Those radical priests were involved yeah, yeah, in that. The, the Berrigan. Yeah. According to Mark Ribling, the CIA also may have used Timothy Leary. Certainly the agency distributed LSD to Leary and other opinion makers in the 60s. Leary made a generation of Americans turn away from active participation in society and seek fulfillment from within. In another example of the CIA's use of drugs to interfere in domestic politics, Gary Webb describes how in the 1980s the CIA flooded black ghettos with cocaine. Okay, that, and not only that, that was George Bush's idea, but yeah. like he was a director. Yeah, he's that. a horrible man. Now, now the other thing is, uh, you know, um, was it, uh, Preston Nichols as well as George uh, Dixon told us that Timothy Leary during the 70s and 80s uh, was still involved with the Montauk Project. 
And he was doing and he was all control experiments with LSD. That's now, where he came out of. Was he also involved with Scientology? I don't know if, that, if he no. was or not, but he was involved with the uh, with LSD. Yeah. He, he he was involved with the uh, uh, with the um, um, projects, the Montauk project. Which yeah, was too. Mind control. Yeah. And that's why he became, you know, where he was. I won't attempt to analyze the CIA's motivation, except to suggest that they have in common. They demoralized, alienated, and divided Americans. The elite operates operates, uh, by fostering um, division and conflict in the world. Thus, we don't realize who the real enemy is. For the same reason, the CIA and elite foundations also fund the diversity in multicultural movements. Feminism has done the most damage. There is no more fundamental yet delicate relationship in society than male and female. On it, on it depends the family, the red blood cell of a society, and nobody with the interest of society at heart would try to divide men and women. Yet the lie that men have exploited women has become the official orthodoxy. Men love women, his first instinct to nurture her husband and, even, and see her thrive. When a woman is happy, she is happy, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so... Women's oppression is a lie. Okay, sex roles were never as rigid as feminists would have it, us believe. But my uh, mother had a successful business in the 1950s, importing watch straps from Switzerland. When my father's income increased, she was content to quit and concentrate on the children. Women were free to pursue careers if they wanted to. The difference was that their role as wife and mother was understood and socially validated as it should be. Yeah, Until I'm, Gloria Steinman came along and the CIA. See, that's kind of an interesting thing. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, she was friends with, uh, I mean, she was got, uh, got her taste in that. Horrible. Can you imagine she dated uh, uh, Henry Kissinger? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, anyway. Shows what she was. Anyway, that's horrible, isn't it? I'm going to, uh, uh, this guy, this guy inspires me, and, uh, uh, was, oh, Karen McKenna. Yeah. Well, George, George was the one who turned me on to him. And his, uh, do you know who he is? I have heard things. He was a philosopher. He's yeah. A big, he, he, he was a big pot smoker mm-hmm. and a hallucinogenic guy in the 60s and 70s and 80s. And, but he he said things that, that people made that meant a lot. He says, reclaim your mind and get it out of the hands of the cultural engineers who want to turn you into a half-baked moron consuming all this trash that's being manufactured out of the bones of a dying world. Yeah. Man, is he right on that? Yeah. yeah he was. So anyway, folks, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Larry and got something out of the news we gave you. And um, please support support unions if you're in one. And, and support and the post office. Post office. God I almighty. My post you know, office. Support the post office. All right. They're good folks there, and support So anyway, have a good night, folks. Good and, night, folks. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, well, actually, uh, we'll talk. Maybe we'll talk to you tomorrow. If not, we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody.
With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.